Let's pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks this day for the chance to come together and to worship, to hear your word proclaimed, and to listen for your spirit to guide each one of us individually and to guide us as a church. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. It is so good to see you all and to have you here in this space. And it feels strange, I'll be honest. It's like we're, you know, Walt and I are talking, it's like we didn't tell people to stand up. And I, I wonder if at first when you were at home, whether you stood up at home when you did the call to worship, maybe not. But uh, it was funny because you all didn't stand up automatically. There is a little diamond in the bulletin, it means stand. But uh, in all seriousness, right, it's, it's, it's weird to come back, but it feels good. And I feel like as we, each song that we were just going through and, and kind of proceeding, it feels even better and better. And I think um, it is a gift indeed that we have to worship and that we have to gather. But I also am excited as we continue to unpackage that gift over the coming weeks and remind ourselves what it is and what it feels like to be worshiping together. I also want to uh, welcome our, any, any guests and visitors with us today. Thanks for being with us today. And I know that afterward we'll be able to greet you even as we're not gathering inside. But I know folks will want to, to say hello. So with this sermon today, I, I want to do something a little bit different. Something I don't do ordinarily. And that's share a little bit more personally my reflection on the text in the context of our church, uh, our three years together, and even this past year. In doing so, I'm, I'm choosing to preach this way with a mixture of humility and caution, and I'm hopeful that by being both deliberate and self-aware about how I'm doing this, I'll avoid the trap of becoming a little more uh, indulgent than I would like to be or, or self-focused. And so my hope is that these reflections will help each of us on our journey, a journey that we take with one another and a journey that we are gifted uh, to take with the Holy Spirit. So... I was thinking this past week about something that happened in my first couple of weeks at PCWS. It was probably about a month into my time here. I was talking with a group of folks over a meal, and one of the people asked me a question. They said, what are you thinking about when you're sitting in front of the church during worship? What are you thinking about? And I was a little puzzled, and I didn't answer the question immediately, and so the, the person stepped into my silence and continued their question. You know, when you're sitting up there in between the parts where you're talking, what are you thinking about? And they kind of proceeded to keep talking and tell me that, well, I didn't look happy, I looked angry, I looked like I wanted to be anywhere but there, and I was, I was just... I was shocked. I was really surprised by this question, and it threw me off. And perhaps it was because in that moment I had this, this shock of feeling like, well, I didn't really think of myself as being on display, um, or maybe because I didn't even think that I needed to present myself in a certain way. I don't know. I don't know why I was uh, so thrown off, but it turns out it was a helpful question. It was a helpful question and made me take a few moments to think about it. I smiled. I held back my uh, 
shock at the question. And I said, first of all, I will tell you unequivocally, there is no place I would rather be when I'm worship, no place I'd rather be than sitting in the sanctuary when I'm worshiping with others. And I went on to explain that for me, and, and guided by our theology, worship, gathering for worship, is at the center of what it means to be the church. Worship is what defines us, and leading others in worship has been the absolute greatest joy in my life. So no, there's nowhere else I'd rather be when I'm leading others in worship, when I'm praying for others, helping others to see and hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And when I'm looking out at the church, a church at that time I was just getting to know, I had already started learning things about God's beloved children in this community. I looked out and I knew the raw grief that one person was privately carrying, grief they had been holding for several years but still felt new to them, new in a way that made them feel alone. I looked out and knew about upcoming surgeries, about children going off to college and the dread of the emptiness of the home, I looked out and saw the faces of expectant grandparents. I looked out and saw people that I still needed to meet, people I didn't know, and I prayed. I prayed during those worship services. I prayed for the stories that I knew and the stories that I had not yet heard. I prayed for the ways that God was already working in the lives of the people I saw in the pews. And I prayed for the ways that God would work with us as a church and through us and in us. And so, yes, I was grateful for that question, even though at the time I was so thrown off by it, because that question made me realize what was going on for me during those worship services, again, even in just a few weeks. The question helped me to be aware of what I was feeling and experiencing during worship. And so as I continued to stumble along through that first year and then my second year of our time together, I did try to smile more during worship so people wouldn't think I was angry or I didn't want to be there. And I also took such joy for myself in more consciously recognizing that embedded in my act of leading worship was this opportunity to look out at God's beloved and to pray to pray for the people I saw, to pray for the people in this family at PCWS, even, and even those who are part of the family on a given day who might have just stumbled in our doors on a given Sunday. And also for those who are here because they wanted to be here more than they wanted to be anywhere else, or also for those who are here under duress or as a gift to someone else. You see, there are so many reasons that draw us in, but it didn't matter to me. I, I prayed nonetheless. Just the other day, I was dismantling my worship studio in my office. It was actually on 4th of July. I was doing this, and, and I thought that that Independence Day was a good fitting, fitting time to take apart that, that place. And, and I became reflective on the past 16 or so months of worshiping remotely. I preached somewhere around 68 sermons into a webcam. That's a lot. Or as I like to call it, the little black dot. And a few weeks ago, I realized that my enthusiasm for that act of leading the remote-only worship, it started to wane after we made the decision that we were going to come back. And 
I thought, how interesting is this? That, that why, why did that happen? Why did it start to wane then? And I, I began to try and figure out how and why I wasn't feeling discouraged a year ago when it became clear that leading worship through a little black dot was my foreseeable future. What I, what I realized in thinking about this is that at that time, it never felt that way to me. It, it, it never felt like I was separated or like I was trapped. You see, the stories, the images, the smiles, the sorrows, the things I knew about in the lives of you all, the realities of what you were experiencing, they were always on the other side of that little black dot. The ever-changing stories, the wounds, the illnesses, the celebrations, the aging, the life transitions, the longings, the loneliness, it was all on the other side of that little black dot. In some strange and mysterious way, I became buoyed by this each week, feeling that somehow I was still connecting with and praying with and for each one of you, even though we weren't in the same physical space, the same place. Now, in those first few weeks of remote worship, I I looked at lots of options. There are a lot of different ways people were doing church, and you may have seen the ways that other churches did things differently. Some were purely pre-recorded, and you could watch them at any time. Others utilized services prepared by other churches. Some used live streams that didn't have any comment opportunities, and others just stopped meeting altogether. There were a lot of different ways. But for me, there was something powerful that first Sunday, seeing you all interacting with one another through the chat the first time that we went with our our remote service. And knowing that you all were on the other side then of that little black dot every week thereafter became this, this reminder to me, this connection point that was extremely powerful. Knowing that you were passing the peace to one another, that you were maybe even singing along with our musicians like Kara and John, or simply being fed by their musical gifts. I was thinking about all of that. That even when we had our foibles or extra long pauses or even a surprise on-camera guest on occasion, (laughs) that you were all there through it all. And all of this was powerful because over the past 16 months, this community of worshipers, this community of sojourners, this family, even while separated, was bound together, mysteriously. I prayed earnestly over the past 16 months in ways that I didn't even realize at times. Many of those prayers were unspoken, unspoken, unarticulated, even subconscious to me. I prayed when driving to a computer store to buy one more cable or one more part to help with the setup for worship. It made me think in that moment of all the ways that you all were adapting in your lives, changing everything about how you were living. On Sunday mornings, I I prayed watching the clock, wondering when people were making their way to their computer or their couch, creating their worship space in their house, maybe even in the car, to participate, to worship together. I prayed when I was laying in bed at night, when I was quickly rushing through the grocery store, when I was watching our services over and over again, trying to figure out what could I do differently with this business of live streaming. 
I prayed when I was exhausted, when I was lonely, when I was bitter. I prayed when there was nothing else I could do, when I would hear again the stories of your lives, the lives of the people with whom we're journeying. But I also prayed with joy, joy at the relationships we were building through discussion groups, through prayer gatherings, through a community finding a way together. But it wasn't until I started studying our texts for this sermon series from Ephesians that I realized or was finally able to articulate the prayers, my prayers, of this year, but but also of this whole time we've been together. And, And frankly, even before I met you all, before I even heard of this church, the writer of this letter is writing from prison. There's separation from the audience. There's a feeling of being trapped that comes with prison and a feeling of disconnectedness that seems to be potentially crippling. Now, the scripture lesson I was going to use for this past Wednesday night service was from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 22. So just before our text from this morning. In that section of the letter, the people are being reminded that Christ is the foundation of the church. And that no matter where the people are, no matter who they are or where they're from, Christ is for them. That Christ joins them, joins us together as a church, that we are connected to one another even when we're apart and connected even when we are very different. And I find it interesting that this letter was written at a time when those who were hearing it would never have conceptualized church as a building. Church to them really only meant people. It was a gathering of people. Church meant people who were only brought together through this reconciling work of Christ. Not just like a gathering of, um, of golfers at the country club or bridge players at the community center or sports enthusiasts at an arena. In each, each of those examples, the individuals choose their connections, right? Those are affinity groups, we call them. They're, they're ways that people connect around something that they choose to, to uh, engage with. But in the case of the church, our understanding is that there's some more mystery here going on, that it's through God's grace, through, through God's love for us, that God's people are brought together. And that it is in this proverbial building, not our actual building, the proverbial building of the church, our relationships, that Christ is the cornerstone upon which all of these relationships are built and established. And the question then becomes, built for what? Built to be a dwelling place for God. Again, not the physical building, but within our relationships. And so when we want to know who God is, when we want to to see and experience God, we believe that God dwells within these relationships that we have within the church. Between people who may live lives that are so seemingly different. And in this, in this letter, the writer is trying to help this community reimagine what does it mean to be a part of a church. And so, you see, I didn't realize it at first, but in many ways I've been trying to be like this writer to this church that they love so much. In this past year and a half, we've had to reimagine church, and we're doing it again as we, as we come back, and we'll be doing it 
We'll be doing it throughout our lives, reimagining, but also returning to these ancient texts, to these ancient writings that guide us to a closer understanding of God's desire for us. I realize, though, that like this writer, especially this past year, I've been trying to remind, introduce, encourage us all. I like the way that that the writer addresses people and says, you are the citizens, you are citizens with the saints and also members of the household of God. Members of the household of God. That's what you are. In our scripture lesson that Walt read for us this morning, continuing in the letter to the Ephesians, the writer again, writing from a distance, from a place of separation, articulates a prayer for these beloved members of the household of God. And it's this prayer that captured me, captured my experience of the last year or so, and again, perhaps the last three years of my life with you. The writer prays, and I have prayed and will continue to pray, that God will strengthen you, strengthen your spirit, and that Christ would dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. When I was looking into that black dot, when I'm sitting up here now, in all of this, I pray. I pray again and again for you all, borrowing the words of our text, that you would have the power to comprehend with one another, sharing the journey, but also sharing your stories and your lives and your doubts and your hopes and your worries and your fears and your sorrows, all of who you are, so that you would have the power together on that journey to take in the love of Christ. I pray using the words of this letter, I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with the fullness of God. To know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. And friends, I'll keep praying this for you, for us, for our journey, together, together wherever we are and wherever we may be. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.